God bless you. You may be seated. I want to welcome those who are tuning in on Facebook and online and YouTube and just continuing here as the Lord leads in these next few moments on this mini-series of Facing Fear and I kind of thought about what would I talk about today. This has been one of the messages that when you prepare and I usually kind of bruise over and pray and and I just kind of absorb it throughout the week. I've done a lot of changing and adding, and the, the pages keep growing. And so this morning, I whacked it in half. <laughs> so, oh, thank God. <clears throat> but, 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 but there's just so much I'm feeling that God is saying people need to hear. People, people need to hear. And it's like, why am I writing this down? Someone needs to hear it. And, uh, you know, God, uh, uh, he uses... Um, his words through preachers. The Bible says he, because the world, through all its earthly wisdom, 1 Corinthians 1 says, failed to recognize God. So in other words, all the brilliant minds, all the smartest people in the world, all this world shouts God. I don't know how you can walk around and go, this does not shout there was a creator. And your human body didn't come by accident. or You didn't crawl out of a pond someday and then start, you know, lose your tail and then, you know, stand up. No. God created you in his image. Can I get an amen? Amen. But God uses the foolishness of preaching. So what that means is I am a great fool here this morning. It's foolish. It's it's really stupid in the eyes of the world. But God said, I'm going to go through that. Because you rejected me. I'm going to use preaching to speak to you. Amazing. Wow. Well, let's be a fool for God. Amen? (laughs) So... um, but talking about fear, fear effects, the effects or the tragic effects of fear or fear's effects. Um, last week, we kind of ended in Matthew 10, 28. Jesus said, do not be afraid, phobia, of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid. Somebody shall be afraid. Be afraid. Oh, Pastor, we're not supposed to be afraid of anything. Jesus said, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. That means that this is a fear that's forgotten. That we are to revere God. And Lord willing, next week we'll talk about the reverence of the Lord and kind of what that means and, and what it means to have a healthy fear of the Lord. God says, don't fear what man can do, but be afraid of what God can do in regard to your spirit, your soul, and your body. And uh, Lord willing, we'll get into that next week. But I just want to touch on how the effects or the consequences of fear in our life affect our life and, and cause us, or potentially cause us, to miss the will of God in our life. I don't want to miss God's will. And if I've allowed, I'll just give you some examples here in a moment. But if I would have allowed fear to dictate my life, I would not be here today. His church would not be here. God would have somebody else. I know that. But I think about that and I think about what about all of you in fear in your life? What is the potential that God has for you? But you're just not going to let that happen because you're afraid. What others think, this, that, I'm not qualified, I can't. All of those things, we allow the enemy to hold us back. So, some very quickly, fear effects. Number one, fear makes life a wretched experience and warps your personality. What do you mean by that? We think about the life of Saul. Uh, He doesn't know what to do. Samuel was a strong, godly influence in his life. And so Saul, this big guy, head and shoulders over everyone else, was kind of cowtailed to Samuel because Samuel heard from the Lord. Samuel had God's voice, and and Saul knew it. 
He knew it, and he was anointed. Uh, 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 Samuel anointed Saul. But Samuel is dead now, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 28. And the Philistine army at Shunem is surrounding him. And it's interesting, the Bible says this. When Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid. And then it continues on. It doesn't say afraid. He says, terror filled his heart. And I think about David when he conquers Goliath. How I remember that story. He comes in. They're petrified for 40 days and 40 nights. Goliath is doing what? He's blaspheming the name of your God, our God. He's blaspheming him. And what is the church doing? It's sitting back, just kind of chilling out. And it takes a little kid full of the Holy Ghost. Come on. Showing up on the scene and listening, going, I, I, I'm bringing some bread and some supplies. My brothers don't want me here. Wait a minute. And this guy's a giant. He, in the natural, physically, is, it's impossible. He's a giant. Probably 12 to 14 foot tall. I mean, his sword, they have the weight of everything. was over 200 pounds just in the weight of all his armor. And this kid sees one thing, a forehead. That's what he sees, the weak spot. And all of that. God shows them that's the weak spot. How many of you know the Holy Spirit will show you the weak spot of the enemy? But when you show up and people are full of fear, it takes usually someone full of the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> Ghost is not a scary thing. Holy Spirit, okay? And, and, and he was able to turn that situation around. Well, uh, uh, Saul is full of fear. He doesn't have this experience that David had with the Lord, encountering him when he took care of the sheep, worshiping God, When nobody else saw. Did you get that? He had a relationship with God. Even tending sheep. And God made himself. Showed himself real to him. So Saul seeks a witch to conjure up. The witch of Endor. The prophet Samuel. And uh, he goes to this witch. And he disguises himself. We know the story most of you. And uh, the witch says. Well Saul gave out a command. And nobody should you know seek witches. And they put us out of the. Land and please, you know, protect me. And he said, nothing will happen. Tell me, I want you to bring up, I want you to bring up Samuel. And she screams, it's you, it's all, the whole thing is foiled. But he's like, what do you see? What do you see? And, and whether you believe that actually he came up and it was actually him uh, uh, that, that spoke to him or not, that's not my point here today. The point was is that uh, fear terrorized this man and he was paralyzed to move forward. He was paralyzed. Someone said, fear is a dark room. Where negatives are developed. I think about that. Uh, unresolved failure in our past creates illogical fear in our present and threatens faith for our future. Did you hear that? And so fear, uh, it can wreck your life. It can warp your personality as it did to uh, Saul. The second thing I would say about fear, uh, fear can and will, if you allow it, prevent you from doing God's will. It will prevent you from doing God's will. Uh, People make all kinds of excuses. I've made excuses. I think about the case in Moses in Exodus chapter 3 with the burning bush. But Moses said to God when he has this personal experience with the Lord, this burning bush, and he says this, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? That's an honest question. He felt like a, a nobody. And he said, who am I that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And then in beyond that, 
you know, he even says, but, but what if I go and then they won't listen to me? I would have followed that same train of thought. Well, I may go and they won't listen to me. You know, back in 1999, we started Church Phil Harvest and I was an associate pastor of another church, Destiny Church for, for years. And, and we had just completed the Destiny Center there on the interstate and, and, and God began to stir in my heart to step out. And, and I remember I had, and my wife is always a sounding board of level-headedness. Come on, man. You know, if you hopefully you have a wife like that. Level-headedness. And I had her in seven different countries, seven different cities. I had her in Ukraine. Maybe God's called us to Ukraine. Maybe we were supposed to move to Sri Lanka. Maybe we moved to Dallas. Maybe we're supposed to go back to New England. Her head's spinning. You know, like, well, stay here. Just stop, you know. <clears throat> and I, I think about that. And I think about, well, if we were to start a church, what if they won't listen? What if nobody comes? And it was kind of funny. You've heard me share this before. We met in our living room, and we started with three or four ladies, and it began to grow. It began to grow, and we had to bring chairs in the living room and set up a little keyboard, and it just became to a point where people were coming and pray for people, and, and there was just no room. And I remember my wife says, why do they keep coming back? <laughs> it's a great question. <laughs> I said, maybe God's speaking to them. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. And, and but it's just for pure honesty, and and so what if they don't listen? He goes, I have a stuttering problem, and I thought I have a speaking problem. <laughs> Who do I say sent me? You know, Jesus said in John ten twenty seven, my sheep hear my voice. Yes. Yes. Watch this. He said, he says I know them, and they listen to me, hmm. and they will follow me. Jesus said, and so people know. People know, people know when people try to be self-promoting. People know, you know, wait a minute, God. I'm, he may have some quirkiness about him or she, but you know what? God is speaking and speaking through and I, I am fed. You know, you should be able to be fed every Sunday you come to church. It's a tragedy to be able to come to church and leave and go, I didn't get anything out of that. Now, maybe your mind's somewhere else right now. Oh, I got to get that lawn. Got to get them weeds. Get, come on now. Come on back. Come on back. All right, this weekend, going out in the lake, get that boat, you know, we got to get, come on back, right? <clears throat> and so we need to be able to be attentive to that. But, but the fear, if we let it, can prevent us from doing God's will. And sometimes we disobey God for fear of persecution. We don't want to be persecuted. I know what that's like. Proverbs uh, 29, 25 says, the fear of man brings a trap, a snare. He that fears man, fearing and reverencing men unreasonably. So it's not talking about being respectful to men, but it's an unreasonable fear and reverencing of men, revering men, shall quickly fall, the Bible says. But whoever trusts him and puts his confidence in the Lord will be exalted in safe. Can you say amen? Number three, fear can render a person useless. <laughs> I thought about that. We're in a battle, how many of you know, against Satan, his demonic forces? And how many of you know that God wants courage to be cultivated in our hearts? Yes, yes. Somebody say courage. courage. We need courage in this day and age. We, God needs you. You know, in the Marine Corps, they have a model. We're looking for a few good men. And, you know, or the military, you know, the model, Army, Navy, everyone. They're looking for a few good men. And, and God is looking for men and women of courage. Can you say amen? amen. It's a very important battle. And the body of Christ needs people of courage. And the Bible says numerous times, take courage. Someone shout, take courage. Take courage. courage doesn't mean you don't have fear. Right. 
Courage means you face fear. Yes. <clears throat> I hate heights. Now, I don't mind going up on this building, and some of you hear my footsteps during prayer, like, who is on the roof? It's me checking out the furnace and trying to unlock stuff and figuring out stuff and all of that. So <clears throat> uh, I don't mind a couple levels, but anything beyond that, no. I hate, come on, is anybody here hate heights? <clears throat> some of you people that glide and all, no, no, I hate heights. And I think the Bible says, lo, I am with you always. Amen? <clears throat> Hallelujah. <laughs> That's an old joke, but still true. <clears throat> God is with us, all right, <laughs> when we're low. But, but here's the thing. I, if I was terrorized of heights, I would not go down a plane and go to these nations. So not on any more than two stories high, I'm 36,000 feet in the air in a little can, little Coke can. Amen? Isn't that right? It's just an aluminum can up there. It's like... But you know what? I've gone and traveled over 60 different times to different nations, uh, uh, preaching the gospel. My wife and I taking trips. Even my daughter, Mariah, has been on into Sri Lanka. Many of you here have been with us these trips. And, uh, but if I've allowed their fear, I wouldn't get on a plane. I remember a word of faith preacher, Frederick Casey Price, who passed away not too long ago, uh, pretty much in, in close to his, uh, his 90s, I think. Uh, and he had, was terrorized of also a flying. And, and so he would have to drive in his early time in his ministry to all these places. He had all this invitation. And it became exhausting for him. And, and finally, he just said, you know what? I got to get over this. And he started to fly. And so he overcome that fear. Amen. So what do I mean by that? And so if I would allow that fear, I wouldn't get on a plane. Come on now. Some of you like, praise the Lord. I'm not getting on a plane, you know. Actually, it's one of the most safest traveling out there. Anyhow, moving right along. Uh, but, but fear can render a person useless. And the Bible says to take courage. Actually, it means there's some translations say good cheer. It says good cheer, which means boldness and confidence. Courage is the ability to do something brave out of a good motivation in your heart. And that's usually stemmed from the Spirit of God. And so God wants us to take courage. Can you say Amen. And so we know the enemy uses many tactics, excuse me, to try to limit our effectiveness. And one of the things he uses, and he's used this all my life, is our own thoughts and emotions. Come on now, right? Our thoughts and our emotions. And he used those against us. And in that, he can paralyze us and we become useless in that moment. Right? I'm just being honest with you. This is how, this is, this is the consequences of fear that the enemy uses. <clears throat> and so we get useless. And so certain things and relational things, and it causes us to become useless and we're gripped with that. <clears throat> how many know that the enemy also uses guilt in our life? Yeah. Guilt can be debilitating. Yes. And it is a very large weapon in his arsenal against you. He uses guilt against you. I didn't have a good week. I messed up this week. If people knew how I acted, I walked it. If they knew what I said, did, watched, whatever. Oh, wow. I, I just I feel so guilty here today. The enemy is the one that when you, after you repent, after you draw near to God, after you say, Lord, wash me, cleanse me, he's the one that brings it up. Oh, yeah. Bible says when I repent and I'm forgiven, it's drowned in the depth of the sea. And he doesn't remember it no more. That's the way the Lord is. Amen. But the enemy keeps bringing up guilt. Guilt is a slippery slope. <clears throat> and it's followed by shame. Then there's withdrawal. Then there's anxiety over our life. That causes us to be, have inaction. 
And actually, it causes us to eventually push God away because we just think, you know what? I keep going down this slope. I'm afraid. This is who I am. I'll never be free. Am I speaking to anybody this morning? I can't get out of this. This is who I am. Come on, somebody. Spirit of God is speaking, I know. <clears throat> and, and I'll never get free from that. So that's just who I am. Right. No, you're not. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Greater is he that is in you. But I'm not walking in it, whatever. Well, we'll talk about that. (laughs) Walking in that. And so this area of your emotions is one where the enemy wants to turn something potentially positive in your life into something very negative. And and here's the thing. We need to be aware of this, how the enemy will use our emotions. And we can reap those benefits of our emotions instead of allowing them to bring us down if we are not ignorant of his devices. That's why the apostle Peter admonishes us in 1 Peter 5, 8. He says, stay alert. Somebody shout, stay alert. Stay alert. alert. What does that mean? Watch out for your great enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So I wrote down, don't allow the enemy ground in your life to devour you. Easier said than done. It's easier said than done. And I think about what is that real basic, simple when I think about ground? Well, some of you may notice the black dirt is spread. I spent about eight hours on a skid loader and got that thing leveled out and hand raked this side. But I haven't gotten to that side yet, but it's spread out. But I thought about it. Somebody had to take dirt and ground from somewhere else, come on, and give it here. And I took that dirt, that ground, and I used it for the kingdom of God. It's simple, I know. But, you know, I think about it. That's, a, that's with our life. It's the truth. We give ground. So do you go out in your yard and start digging up all that good soil and give it to the enemy? Ground in your life. Just keep giving him things that, that is rightfully yours. That's your property. That's part of your life. And you're just going to give that away to the enemy? No, that's yours. God has given that to you. Don't give that up to the enemy. Take from the enemy's camp. Hallelujah. <laughs> and grow things with it. Amen. I don't know. That was pretty simplistic, but I hope it blessed you. First <clears throat> Peter 5, 8. Watch out. Your great enemy, the devil, he prowls around seeking, looking for someone to devour. Just don't let him devour you. Don't operate in that. Number four, quickly, fear can bring on the very thing we fear. Now, we've heard this, that 90% of what you fear won't happen. That's true. Oh, say this, say that. Oh, watch out. This might happen. That might happen. Matthew 14, 30. But when Peter saw, he's on the water, the effects of the wind. How many remember the story? He steps out. He's actually doing something that's impossible. He's doing something that we cannot do in the natural. I don't know about you, but I tried in the past as a kid. Oh, oh, there's nobody else in here tried. I tried to walk on water. <laughs> you all know what happened, right? <laughs> of course, it wasn't deep. It was only a puddle. <laughs> Come on, amen? amen. <laughs> Just lighten it up. But you know, he does it because Jesus said, come. When Jesus says, come, you can do anything. You can do anything. <clears throat> and, and, and so it says this, Peter saw the effects of the wind and he was frightened. And he began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. We know what happened. Jesus was right there. He pulled him up. But here's the thing that I want to throw out. Is it possible that Peter's fear of sinking brought on his sinking? think about that an abnormal fear of disease can often bring on an illness oh god oh, oh cancer oh oh you know I mean, is this gonna i don't know is this maybe this is gonna have people walk around constantly fearful fearful constantly call, calling the doctor call, calling the clinic you know i don't know i woke up and i had a pain listen sometimes i wake up i feel like i've been a dryer full of blocks cinder blocks 
<laughs> I don't call the hospital. Come on, somebody. I just get down, work out, stretch it out. Come on. Amen. <laughs> Are you with me? Oh, my doctor this, my doctor that. My, my ankle hurts. Stretch it out. Amen. I'm not negating things that are serious. Please understand what I'm saying. But you know what? Research has shown 85% of the emotional and physical ills of people are brought on by fear. I think about, and this has gotten a bad rap in the past, a lot of the word of faith, but I think there's, there's some truth to it, so I'm just going to share it with you. Job 3.25, the Bible says, because the fear which I feared, Job is speaking. Watch this now. The fear which I feared has come upon me. That which by which I was shaken has met me. Hmm. What I always feared has happened to me. What I dreaded has come true. Is it possible? I, you know, I know the word of faith is used this a lot, that this is where the enemy came in. But what we've been talking about fear. We give ground to the enemy. And so fear is a doorway for the enemy. Okay? Shut the door. Just close the door. You know what? I'm not going to. You say, I'm still afraid of that. No, I, I trust God with my children. My children are the Lord's. He gave them to me, but I'm not going to be paranoid about my children. You know, that happened to me with my son. I constantly, it's like our firstborn, I have a son, little Zach, and he was just a typical boy getting the little things and, you know, don't climb on that, get down from that. You know what? You do what you can. Come on. Well, we had a crib. Of course, that was a challenge. Get out of that crib. Right? You put a little boy in there, he's going to get out of that crib. So he gets out and he falls on his arm, he breaks his, his, his wrist. And I just remember Ron McCollin said, you know what, he's not moving it, but he's playing. And I like, we take, take the clinic, we, you know, look at it. Oh, they said, yes, it's a little small fracture. Reset it and put a little cast on it, took pictures he could draw in the cast. In two weeks, he was fine, thank God. But I was really bothered by that. My son, why did his arm get broken? Well, he climbed out of the crib and fell. <laughs> Gravity. All right, come on, people, amen? But, you know, d- deeper, you know, like, you, you think, like, you're going to have to stub your toe, you know, I mean, in this life, or hit your hand with a hammer if you're nailing, or, so, you know, things happen like that. And so I had to really adjust with that. But something was going on deeper in my soul that I felt like I had to do. If I don't do everything to protect my kids, nobody else will. We serve, come on now, we serve a God. That they are his kids first. I don't, it's not negating our authority. Are you still with me, parents? You understand what I'm saying? Let's have a right balance here. But I, I just, I had, and I remember, so we got him a different crib. We got a little Buzz Lightyear, a little low. That was his era, that Buzz Lightyear era. And so if he had no edge to it, you know, if he fell out, he fell 14 inches is all he fell. You know what I mean? And even out, stay in there. That was the thing. Stay in that. Stay in that. But I remember praying while he was asleep. And I think he was, I don't know, 16, 17 months, something like that. And I just was praying there. And I really cried out. And I, I prayed to release him to God. Yes. yes. I, you know, you say, well, that's great. That's good. You know, but no, I really, something inside, like in my heart had to, I release you. Yes. I, you, I love you. I would die for you. But I, I got to trust yes. that God has his hand on your life. That doesn't mean I'm negligent, and, but I'm going to trust God. I, the Spirit of God is speaking to some people. Right? I trust you, God. Right now, people are in terror. My kids' school, what's going to happen? What People are gripped with fear in this nation. Lord, I'm going to trust. 
You love, lose a child. I think that is one of the most horrific things anyone can go through in this life. I'm not minimizing that. Horrible. But you know, in, and I've been around numerous funerals. Uh, those have lost loved ones and children, and it, it is absolutely tragic. But I do know this. You will see them again. That's right. You will see that child again. Every day you go to sleep and you wake up, you're one day closer to them. Every day. Come on. Sometimes you have to bring it down to every day, you know. Every day I'm getting I will see them. And in 10,000 years from now, you won't even remember. In a million years from now, there's no time in in eternity. You won't even, you will be there with them constantly. You know, we didn't have our our, our, our kids with us at the, you know, I didn't think when they all grew up they would leave home. And then there was a time, y'all remember, the sorrow of my soul, nobody would move back. And I'm like, does anybody want to, I'll buy you this, I'll buy, I mean, I tried. <laughs> nah. <laughs> but then Mariah, after four years of the Marines, she gets out of the Marine Corps, and I was kind of wondering, well, so where are you moving? It was like, maybe here, maybe there, whatever. Dad, I'm coming home. <laughs> I'm working this a little bit to keep her here, you know that. <laughs> but you know what, it's like all, I have four and a half, four years of her away, away. You know what? Now we're catching up. Let's go get coffee. Or let's go buy groceries that my wife won't want to eat. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> See, so I'm rejoicing now. I, I'm not minimizing. Please understand that traumatic, the loss, especially these families down in the valley. It's horrible. It's horrible. But, but I, I look at it as that, you know, one day, one day we will be reunited. How many, how many can receive that? Say amen. Yeah. But fear can bring on everything that we are afraid of. And someone once said, expect for the worst, but hope for the best. Not expect the worst. Right? Prepare for the worst, but hope for the best. Prepare. Because when you're already setting a foundation in negativity, it's constantly going to be uh, uh, negative. You know, and then there's those that are overly enthusiastic with optimism. And sometimes it's unrealistic. And it actually, quite frankly, can be quite annoying. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Oh, my. This is Mr. Positive, you know, or this is, uh, and it's, we need to be, all right? But, but it's just sometimes, but uh, how many know you need to keep an open mind? Don't worry about something else unless it's happened. I struggle with that at times. My wife is the tremendous steady balance. Well, what if this in? What if that happens? And don't concern yourself with what might be because it hasn't happened. And my wife has said that to me. It hasn't happened. Well, it might. So what do you want to be known as? The guy that figured it out and knew it was going to happen, but you didn't want it to happen? No, I don't want it to happen. Did that make sense? I don't know. (laughs) So anyhow, almost done here. Fear will cause a person to be lost eternally. This is a heavy one. Revelation 21.8. He said, but the fearful and cowardly. It's in this verse. The fearful and cowardly, the unbelieving, abominable, murderer, the sexually immoral. Wow. Sorcerers, idolaters, all liars shall have their place in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That's a heavy. But I want you to see something. Notice that it talks about a number of things lumped together in this passage. Fear is in the passage with murderers, abominable, sexual immorality is in this. Hmm. And I think about this passage in Psalm 19.9. We shared it last week. The fear of the Lord will clean your soul. It make your mind clean. It'll make you 
holy. Lord willing, we'll get into that in the week to come. The fear of the Lord is the necessary fuel required in order to ignite the sanctification process. Stand with me if you would, please. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should avoid sexual immorality. I'm going to say amen or oh me. You know, in the word of God, the word obey is listed over 385 times in 12 translations. And how many of you know that being saved, being born again, whatever term you like to use, does not result from something that you do through works? But sanctification does. You still, hear me, have a role in your life when it comes to sanctification. It isn't just all God. So it's just all, all him. Well, it's up to him. Well, we know it's him and his power, and he's willing to do that good work within our life. Can you say amen? Sanctification is essentially our responsibility. That, that's not a works. That's not a legalistic thing. But it's a choice. It's a heart issue, I believe, in our life. Grace only extends to those who believe and obey his word. Yes. Oh. Yes. That, that was good, Pastor. That was a little hip. That was pretty challenging. I don't know if I want that. Grace, I'm going to say it again, only extends to those who believe and obey his word. Why would God give me more information, more blessing, more wonderful things if I'm disobedient in one area? He's going to say, wait a minute. Let's back up to this one area. Let's, I've been dealing with you with this one area. But you want more. You want more. You want, oh, God, you want to be free from this. God's saying, I'm dealing with this one area. How many with me say amen? You know, <clears throat> the Greeks had temples dedicated to tremendous immorality, and some of them had over thousand prostitutes. It was that that was part of the worship in that. Can you imagine that? It's like what this is—you uh, could building a temple, and it's just insane. And this is when this was penned. Paul is writing this at that time. We've come a long way. <laughs> and we know our nation is immoral. We know, you know, people can be very immoral. But this, well, there were temples dedicated to this. And they were male and female prostitutes. And it was culturally accepted as worship to the Greek gods. Hmm. So the Apostle Paul's readers, they had turned to the true and living God. And they turned away from false gods at this time. So now, watch me. Just stay with me. I'm almost done. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit... Paul reminds them to keep away from every form of sexual sin. We're still talking about fear. He said, well, how did we diverse into sexual sin with fear? No matter how acceptable it might be in their culture. Here's the thing. You don't resist sexual sin. You run from it. You run from it. Elbows and heels. You don't go, well, praise the Lord. I renounce you. You run from that. This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should avoid sexual immorality. It's the doorway that opens fear in your life. So don't, come on, somebody. It's a doorway that opens every host of hell in your life. Every head bowed, please, this morning. Satan's deception will always attempt to bring comfort to your life of sin. Always power to live a holy life comes from the spirit of the lord but the desire to be sanctified must come from within your heart in conclusion i think of the story about andrew jackson andrew jackson the seventh president of the united states 
They call him Stonewall Jackson. Incidentally, he was the only president to pay down the national debt to zero. That was the only time in history we've come a long way. A general who was fearful of an attack planned in the Shenandoah Valley and expressed his fears to Jackson was told by the courageous Jackson, General, never take counsel of your fears. Never take counsel of your fears with every head bowed here this morning. Bible says, yes, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. But if you're ever going to accomplish any good in this world, you need to refuse to let fear to stop you. So how does deliverance from fear come? First of all, the first step is repenting and believing in Jesus Christ. That's, that's the first step. You need God in your life. Second step is you need to feed your mind on God's word. And what he says about a situation. Remember, you may think, I want this, I want that, I need this, I need that, I need this taken care of my life. But God is bringing you back to an issue that he's putting his finger upon. Ephesians 5.26. So that he may sanctify the church, that's you and I, having cleansed her, watch this, by the washing of water with the word of God. Right now the word of God is, is attempting to wash you if you'll let it. If you'll let it, the word of God is attempting to wash you. Haggai 1.12, God's word led to the fear of the Lord and repentance. And the fear of God is a synonym for the word of God. Wow. So in conclusion now, I want us want to challenge you. We're going to pray. Repentance is an extremely powerful tool in freedom from fear. It really is. A powerful weapon that God has given you. Second, second, excuse me, Corinthians 7, 9, and 10 Paul says, and now I rejoice, not because you were made sorrowful, but because your sorrow led to repentance. Mm. For you felt the sorrow that God had intended. God intends sorrow in your heart so you would repent. That's a good thing. And so you were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation, the Bible says, without regret. Did you hear that? Without regret. There's the no condemnation. There's a godly sorrow. We have lost godly sorrow in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ today. We don't fear God anymore. We just, just think, oh, we'll just chalk it up. It's okay to live like the devil. And you know what? We, you know, God just smiles upon us because he's a loving God. Godly sorrow leads to repentance without regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. It's like Jacob and Esau. Remember that story? Esau, he just comes in. He feeds his appetite. All he wants is this soup and food. Jacob gives it to him and he sells his birthright. But the Bible says this. It says that after yes. it happened, yes. he began to cry out. He began to, to cry out. I'm almost done here, but I just feel God is really speaking here in this moment. He began to cry out. And he said, I want my birthright back. I I want my birthright back. I know I traded it for some soup, but I want it back. And he wanted it back for selfish reasons. He didn't want it back because he turned something precious that God had given him and he thrown it away. And it said he cried and he wept with tears, but he wasn't repentant. In other words, I don't want to stop sinning, but I'm sad I got caught. Come on, somebody. I don't want to give up what I'm doing. Come on, the Spirit of God is here. I don't want to give up what I'm doing. But I'm sad that I got caught. 
and I'm sad I feel bad about it and I miss my birthright but I don't want to please God really I just want to keep doing what I'm doing with every head bowed here this morning I know this turned heavy but you want deliverance from a spirit of fear we're going to take authority over it the word of God is the thing that washes our hearts we take authority right now you know, you cannot receive the Holy Spirit and not be changed in your life. So you can receive the Holy Spirit and you can resist Him, but really, you cannot be not changed in your life when you truly have the Holy Spirit. You will be most miserable among men trying to live a life of sin. You will be the most miserable because it's the Spirit of God drawing you to reverential fear, to purity, to holiness. That's what you're called to. You can walk this walk of faith. You can walk this circumspect walk. You can live upright before the Lord. You can. Devi head bowed. You hear this morning say, Pastor, that's me. I'm out of alignment. I need to get right with God. I've allowed a spirit of fear in my life. And I'm going to go back to the point, whatever that may be. I know we focused on some things specifically. But whatever that point may be that God has put his finger on and saying, you know what? You want me to speak? You want me to heal? You want me to bring the freedom in your life you're seeking? That issue right there, whatever that is, I don't know. Make some decisions. Make some progress. Make some, some, some heartfelt decisions in that moment. And watch and see how godly sorrow will bring repentance in your life. If that's you, I want to pray for you right now. And those of you that have just totally maybe just backslid from the Lord. Pray with me if you would. Say to me, say, Jesus. I repent. I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Jesus, in this moment, I ask that you speak to me. What is the area you're dealing with? Now just take a moment right here. Guarantee. God is speaking very loud right now. Guarantee. He's not against you. He's for you. But these things are blockades. These are brick walls. These are things that God wants you to break through. We serve a holy God. This doesn't mean we don't stumble and fall. We get back up. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, the Bible says. But God is dealing with our hearts right now in these areas. So whatever that is, just say, Lord, say, Lord Jesus, by the power of your spirit, I lay that down and I trust you to bring wisdom, healing, forgiveness in my life. And whatever it takes, whatever it takes, Jesus, I'm going to be obedient to your word. What your word says about it, it settles it for me. Whatever it takes. 